0: If you brought a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go with me to the Gospel according to Matthew. And we're going to go to chapter 6 of that Gospel, continuing our sermon series, On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And Today we're going to be reading, again out of the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and beginning at verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, you can read on with us on the screen, or maybe you have an app on your phone, you can use that as well. I encourage you to take some notes this morning. Uh, I have a whole lot of information that uh, will be very helpful to you, and I hope that you will jot it down, because a dull pencil is better than a sharp memory. And if you have it written down, you'll be able to go back and consult it, because today we're talking about uh, the authority of the believer over the evil one. And how many of you could use some freedom in your life. Now that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus speaking. He says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to use uh, as a subject this morning, deliver us from evil. Would you pray? Father, we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. It is obvious to us that you are here in our midst. I pray that you would come now and anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God and anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word with gladness of heart and put it to work in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Jesus said when he taught us to pray, to pray this petition, Deliver us from evil. Now, I have mentioned to you in the last couple of weeks that the Lord's Prayer was not given to us so that we would uh, memorize and quote it. Uh, That is not a bad thing to know and to do. Uh, He didn't give it to us to recite it over and over again, as is the practice of some. But he gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model of how to pray. Jesus literally is walking us up to the door of the throne of grace and teaching us how to pray. He taught us to begin our prayers with worship and adoration to God, that He taught us to make our petition known to God, and we talked about that last week in the uh, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. And then he taught us to pray a prayer of confession and to confess our sin to God. He then taught us to make a prayer of intercession and then finally another prayer of worship. And so this is part of that petition of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread is the principle That we learned last week of dependence upon God. The week before that, we learned the principle of yielding to the will of God. Thy will be done. Today we're going to learn the principle of authority. Because if we want to see God's kingdom manifest in the earth, and we want to see God's glory manifest in our city and in our day, there are certain principles we must learn and we must live by. The Word of God is full of God's principles for how to live the God kind of life. And so if we apply ourselves to these principles, without a doubt, we're going to walk and be able to manifest the glory of God. What would be look like? If the church was praying and interceding in such a way that we could say that in Beville, heaven came to earth. That the presence of God was visible and manifest in our city and in all of our churches and congregations. That is God's will for us. Jesus taught us to pray on earth As it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know in heaven there is no sickness. There is health in heaven. In heaven there is no fear. There is only faith and peace in heaven. In heaven there is no regret or shame about the past. Because it's covered in the blood of Jesus. There's only the perfect acknowledgement of God's grace. And God wants us not to have to wait. Till we get to heaven to experience the glory of the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to enjoy heaven on earth. Say amen to that. Amen. Even if you don't believe it yet, you just say amen. All right, Because you got to engage your faith and get in line with the word of God. So Jesus taught us to pray. He said, deliver us from evil. Say that with me. Deliver us from evil. There is a reality in the world... That you and I need to acknowledge, there is a present spiritual reality of evil in our world. I don't think anybody in here would dispute me this morning, unless you are uh, uh, are not going out of your house very often. You don't have to go very far to know that there is evil in our world. We live in a world where the governing spiritual authority is evil. It's darkness. And unless you and I recognize and uh, understand the principle of authority, the evil world that we live in will wreak havoc in our lives. So we need to be aware of the fact that we live in a world where there is a governing principality of evil. There is a real and, and spiritual reality in the world. And whether we want to talk about it or not, it is present. We also need to know that we have a real personal enemy called the devil. Every single one of you have a real personal enemy called the devil. And unless you are aware of that, he'll wreak havoc in your life. The devil is, uh, the Bible uh, describes him, Jesus speaking. He said he came to steal, kill, destroy. The Bible calls him many things. It calls him a liar. It calls him a thief. It calls him an accuser. It calls him Satan. It calls him the devil. Many other names that it gives him. But at the end of the day, what Jesus tells us about the devil is that his agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. So let me just disavow any notion that you may have that the devil is your friend, that the devil likes you, that you and the devil are on good terms friend, the devil hates you and you need to hate the devil, you have all the biblical permission to hate the devil, you have to love your neighbor but you can hate the devil the devil hates you and he wants to destroy your life so Jesus teaches us to pray and he says deliver us from evil Now, I hope this morning that I can teach this and preach this in a way that's a little uh, different from what you and I are used to. Because when we talk about deliverance in the Pentecostal church, generally we talk about a preacher with a whole lot of olive oil and a big Bible and a loud voice rebuking a demonic manifestation, all right? I don't want to talk about that so much this morning. I want to talk about the authority that you have as a believer, John Doe believer, has the authority over the evil one. And if you will exercise that authority, you will have deliverance from evil. Now this word evil that Jesus uses, He, He uses the word deliver us from evil. It has several meanings in the Bible. One of those meanings, and uh, we could pray it like this, deliver us from fruitless labor. Evil will always aim at stealing the harvest of your labor. The fruit of your labor. How many of you have ever lost the fruit of your labor? You guys, are, you guys are good. I need to preach a different sermon this morning. How many of you, have? let's be honest, how many of you have ever lost the fruit of your labor? That's what I thought. Evil will come in and take the fruit of our labor. The enemy does that because if he can take from you the answers to your prayer, the little savings account you had you had um, built up, all of a sudden the washer broke and the, the transmission went out and the uh, you lost your job and all of a sudden you lost the fruit of your labor. Maybe uh, you made a, a, a bad decision or all these things might happen. The enemy comes, he'll steal the fruit of our labor. You've been praying, you've been fasting, that loved one's about to come into the faith and all of a when the enemy comes and he takes the fruit of our labor why does he do that he does that so that he can discourage you from your labor because he knows if he can steal enough from you you'll just give up and you'll say well never mind then i'll just might as well stay at home and do nothing but you and i at kingsway church we're not the giving up type are we i said we're not the giving up type are we Another, another meaning for the word evil is harassment. And this defines perfectly what the devil does. The devil comes to harass the believer. He comes to harass you. That word harassment literally means to put pressure or to intimidate. The enemy knows that if he can't steal your soul, he can't steal your soul because you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are secure in that salvation. Then he knows, okay, I can't have his soul. I'm going to have his peace. I'm going to take his joy. I'm going to take his sleep. I'm going to take her ability to rest at night and he'll start harassing you and buffeting you so that you don't leave your place. He wants you to stay put, but we're not the staying put type, are we? So the enemy will come to intimidate. The Bible said that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A lion will roar, and that roar intimidates the prey. Here's all I want you to think. Next time you hear the devil roar, just remember that Jesus took all the teeth out of the devil at the cross. So he can roar all he wants, but he doesn't have a bite. He'll come to harass and intimidate you. You decide I'm going to go to church every Sunday this year, and then the enemy will show up and start to intimidate you. Oh, really? Let me start accusing you. Let me start attacking your mind and robbing you of your peace. And, and you decide to get up and go to church in the morning and the kids can't find their socks. You can't find your keys. And the, uh, you're in a bad mood. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It's a real struggle sometimes because the enemy is harassing, harassing, harassing. That is his agenda. Another word for evil here is difficulty or hardship. Jesus is telling us, pray like this, deliver us. From fruitless labor. Deliver us from the harassing of the enemy. Deliver us from the difficulties and hardships that the enemy will throw in our way. You make a decision to follow God, and I guarantee you that the enemy will throw obstacles in your way. You thought the day you came to Jesus that it was going to be peaches from then on out, right? You're going to be you were going to be walking in a garden of roses and realize that the roses had thorns and that that the uh the peaches weren't quite ripe yet and that they're a little bitter even and sometimes life will throw obstacles in your way to discourage you. But Jesus tells us to pray for deliverance from the enemy's work and the enemy's strategy. So I want you to tune in this morning because there's a principle at work here that you and I need to know and you and I need to operate in every day of our life. It's called the principle of authority. Who called it that? I called it that, all right? So that's what we're going to call it. Say that with me, the principle of authority. I happen to be the authority at this moment, so that's what we're going to call this principle. The kingdom of God operates on the principle of authority. That means that God has a governing structure. There is a way that God does things. And the way that he does things is through order. If you go to heaven, there's order in heaven. That's why when you come to church, there should be order at church. Because this is the embassy of the kingdom of God on the earth. And in your home, there should be order because you're the children of God. It's getting kind of quiet in here, but I'm going to keep preaching. So the kingdom of God has an order. It has a structure by which it works. And that order, the principle that it operates under is the principle of authority. And so the first thing we need to realize is that God is the supreme authority of all the earth. There is no authority higher than God. There is no ruler, no judge, no president, no priest higher than Almighty God. He is the supreme authority. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 tells us that thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 tells us that he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Daniel chapter 4 verse 17. He says that he does this that we may know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives to them whatsoever he will. Did you know that God has already decided the outcome of the 2016 presidential election? And I pray, Lord, let it end soon. Aren't you ready to have your life back? God already, not only has does He know, but He has predetermined. He sets up kings and He brings down kings sometimes he'll raise up a leader to bless a nation sometimes he'll raise up a leader to judge a nation but he's the one that does it that's all i'm going to say about that right now now god has established authority he's established authority in the home if you're a man any men here say amen or grunt if you're in the house of god this morning the the man has been given headship in the home You have authority in your home. If you're a single mom, guess what? You're the authority in that house. God has given authority in the church. He's given pastoral authority and authority to the eldership of the church. You know, I won't let anybody preach to you who's not under a pastor somewhere. Somebody comes and says, Pastor, I have a message for your church. I always ask them, who's your pastor? If they don't have a pastor, they're not speaking to you. Why? Because they're in rebellion. They don't have an authority over their life. And that sounds like trouble, doesn't it? So there is authority in the house of God. There is authority at work. The Bible tells us to subject ourselves, servants. It says, be obedient to your masters. That means do what your boss tells you to do. Unless it's criminal, okay, then you don't have to do that. There's authority in government. These are established by God. And these, when you and I honor these authorities, God will honor us. Now follow me here because we're building up to something. When you look at the life of Jesus, you will notice that Jesus operated under the principle of authority. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I heard my father say it. I don't do anything unless my father tells me to do it. He said, the things that I say to you, I heard with my father. So what is he saying? He's saying, I am a man under authority. There even came a day when a, a Roman a soldier came to Jesus. He was a, a centurion. He was a man who was uh, in authority over other soldiers. And he came to Jesus. He said, Lord, my uh, uh, a person in my household is sick. I need you to heal them. Jesus said, okay, I'll go to your house. And the, the, the centurion said, no, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But because I'm a man under authority, I know how this works. You give your word and my servant will be healed. All He understood that Jesus had divine authority and he understood that Jesus was operating under the authority of God. Check out this Jesus had authority. Over sickness from a distance. He just sent the word and healing came to that person's body. He had authority even over death. There's no enemy more uh, vile on, on for humanity than death. And yet Jesus has authority over death. The Bible says the day will come when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Somebody say amen. Because Jesus has authority over even death. Jesus had authority even over death physical world over nature one day he was in the boat in the storm and the bible said that the waves were crashing against that boat the disciples thought they were going to drown and die and jesus got up and he said peace be still And the waves calmed down and the the wind stopped The disciples saw the authority in Jesus. And they said, What kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey Him? See, church, if you're going to get into a storm, you had better have Jesus in the boat because Jesus has authority. He had authority over demons. and Drove out countless demons in the Gospels. And then... In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, look at what Jesus says. He says, Behold, I have given you authority. Write that down. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, because he's talking about us, the believer. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Over how much power of the enemy? All. What is authority? Authority is the ability to exercise control in a specific sphere. I'll say that again. Authority is the ability to exercise control in a specific sphere. So when Jesus says to us, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, he's saying I'm giving you the ability to exercise control in a specific sphere Of the enemy. I'll give you an example. One day I was a missionary in in Nicaragua and uh, it was a watch night service about two o'clock in the morning. We're in church with worship services going on. A woman came slithering down the aisle like a snake. It didn't require much discernment to know that that was the devil. It's like, yep, that's evil. It was very loud in that place. And she, she probably spoke Spanish, I'm sure she did. And I didn't pray in Spanish, I prayed in English. I said, in the name of Jesus, I didn't yell, didn't raise my voice. In the name of Jesus, I command you to sit down. The woman got up and she sat down in the front row. That's the kind of authority that Jesus has given you over every power of the enemy. You say, well, pastor, you went to seminary, you study the Bible, you pray, uh, you know, that's your deal. But I don't have that kind of authority. No, friend, I don't care if you're a child, if you're a teenager, you're an adult, senior adult. God has given every believer that kind of authority to exercise control over every power of the enemy. Then in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus said this. He said, truly I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before and didn't know what it meant? A lot of the church, we don't have any clue what it means. Often when we use that verse, we think, it means we're going to bind the devil. And there's some truth to that because Jesus said when you go into a house, you bind the strong man. So there's some truth to that word. But really, this this is a Jewish concept that you and I, not being Jews, may not understand. So there's a better word we could use for the 21st century so, so that we could understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying whatever you permit on earth shall be permitted by heaven. Whatever you allow on Earth shall be allowed in heaven all right now let's unpack that for a second because who's Jesus talking to he 's talking to me talking to you he says whatever you bind i 'll bind whatever you loose i 'll loose whatever you allow i 'll allow so in other words, whatever you allow in your life Where you have control, that's what you're going to have in that sphere of your life. So I want to speak again to the men for just a moment. If you have authority in your home, that means, gentlemen, that everything we have in our house is there because we allowed it. If it's good, we allowed it. If it's evil, we allowed it. Are are the fellows listening? If there's something in our house that we don't want there, then we have to disallow it. And when you and I understand this concept, if if you're not the head of a household, then whatever your sphere of influence is, God is saying to you, I have given you control. Say it with me. I have control. Listen, you are not helpless. I said you are not helpless. You have control. Uh, uh, you you and I have the ability to bind certain things and to loose certain things in our home. If you allow alcohol in your house, what are you going to have in your house? If you allow drugs in your house, what are you going to have in your house? If you allow pornography in your house, what are you going to have in your house? What you allow, you will have. And this is literally what what God is saying to us today. I've given you authority. I'm going to honor your authority. So if you allow something, even if it's not what I want for you, I'm going to say, well, that's what Isaac wants. That's what he's going to have. And if I agree with God and say, I'm not going to allow these things in my house, God says, all right, now you've given me access to operate and to work on your behalf in your home. So when you, when you get home one day, maybe you come home late, your family comes in, sometimes there's an eerie feeling in the house ever ha- that happened to you. You just, you just stop and you realize, so wait a minute, there's an uninvited guest here. And you take authority right then and there. You say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every unclean spirit, command you to go. Why? Because I have authority in this house. When I, uh, when I was a missionary, I went to Africa. We were in Swaziland. They gave us a, a dormitory. There's a lot of witchcraft in Swaziland, in uh, most of Africa, by the way. And uh, that dormitory was very small. It was about eight feet wide by... 10 or 12 feet long, had room for a cot and a suitcase practically. And when I walked into the room, I felt that it was, there was an eerie, unclean, demonic presence in that room. And just like second nature, I said, devil, this room is so small. There's not enough room in here for both of us. So you're going to have to go in the name of Jesus. And I went to bed, slept peacefully. The next morning... My compadres, they said, you know, I didn't sleep all night. This place is creepy. There's some evil spirits around here. I said, I slept like a baby. They said, why? I said, because I took authority in the name of Jesus over my room. They, they pulled out their keys out of their pockets and said, go pray for my room too. So whatever you allow, will, you will have. Whatever you disallow, you will not have. And I'm praying right now, I've been praying all week, that as I preach, that the Holy Spirit will reveal the things to you that are in your house that you need to go home and throw away today. That you need to go home and take off the wall today because God's saying, I want to use the authority I've given you to deliver you from evil. I want to deliver you from everything in your life, in your home, in your family, in the lives of your children that would bring uh, the enemy access to their lives. I spoke with a father on one occasion. He said, Pastor Isaac, my son is a homeless drug addict on the streets of San Antonio. He said, he is a homeless drug addict because one day I allowed him to go to a heavy metal Christian rock concert. And while he was there, he was introduced to the drug that he's now addicted to. Whatever you allow will be allowed. Whatever you disallow will be disallowed. And so some of you this morning had to have to take some authority and go and say, you know what, I said that was okay before, but now I'm saying it's not okay. And disallow those things that you have allowed in the lives of your family. Is the church listening this morning? Because this deliver us from evil principle is depending on our faith in engaging this principle of authority. Say that again, I have control. You have to set the spiritual climate for your house. This is why I, I recommend strongly against a, a, uh, a Christian marriage, a new marriage living with people other than you know, just that husband and wife. Because many times when you mix the, the people in that house, you aren't able to set the thermostat of the spirit in that house. But when you as a, as a believer, you have the authority to set the thermostat for the spirit in that house, you're going to have peace in that home. You're going to have tranquility in that home. You're going to have the glory of God in that home because you're the one setting the thermostat in the spirit realm for that uh, to, uh, to take place. Now, you need to be asking the question now, how do I exercise spiritual authority? I'm going to give you four ways that we exercise spiritual authority. Are you ready? That was kind of weak. Are you ready? All right. Number one, authority must be exercised under authority. Authority must be exercised under authority. Listen, friend. If you take authority in the name of Jesus, but you are not under authority, you have no authority. Authority flows from the top to the bottom. When I was in D.C., about my first week on the job, the uh, majority leader that I worked for, he was going to have a a press conference, he told the chief of staff, he said, uh, don't allow any reporters in the press conference after I've started. Chief of staff told the staff assistant, don't allow anyone in the press conference after he started. Uh, Staff assistant told the intern, that was me, don't allow anybody in the press conference after he started. So now I am the law in that place, right? And wouldn't you know, just after the press conference started, here comes a big burly reporter down the hallway, and I got out in front of him. I said, sir, I cannot allow you to enter the press conference. It has already started. And he tried to maneuver around me as I stood in front of him. And then I maneuvered again and stood in front of him. finally, he just shoved me out of the way and went into the press conference. So I went to the staff assistant. I said, he didn't do what I told him to do. And the staff assistant went to the chief of staff and said, he didn't do what Isaac told him to do. And the chief of staff went to the boss and told the boss... He didn't do what they told him to do. The boss went to the reporter and said, Sir, you're no longer welcome here. You're going to have to go. That's how authority works. So when you say in the name of Jesus and you are standing under the authority of the house of God, you're standing under the authority of the word of God and the name of God, now there is somebody to back you up when you pray. There is somebody to back you up when you speak. Authority operates under authority. Listen, this is what the Bible says. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Say that with me. Submit to God. Resist the devil. You can't resist the devil if you have not submitted to God. That's where it begins. And I want to just say this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have not submitted to God, you don't have authority over the evil one. And I wouldn't leave this room today without making sure that my soul was right with God. Because that's the protection for the believer against the evil one. When you and I stand under the authority of God, under the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. At the cross, he disarmed the devil and every ruler and every authority, giving us freedom from sin and the power of darkness. But in order to have that freedom, we have to be submitted to God. You only have as much authority as you're under. Let that sink in for a second. You only have as much authority as you're under. Some of you wonder why when you speak, nobody listens. Mom and dad, if you want your children to listen when you speak, you need to listen when God speaks. It's getting tense in here. You wonder why people won't listen. Because if you don't listen to God, there's nothing supporting your authority. And the devil won't respond to that in any way. This authority is therefore not about the devil. It's about God. It's about walking under the authority of the, of the person of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, a, it's really a military term to understand the rank under which you and I are serving. That rank is the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of the host of God. The second principle then is that authority is exercised in unity. Where there is division, there is no authority. If you are walking in division in your home, you will not have authority over the evil one. Listen, this is what Jesus said. He said, a kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any house divided against itself will not stand. If if the husband and wife are not walking in unity in the home, division is present, you have, you have undercut your authority. Because God grants authority to those who walk in unity. The anointing flows where there is unity. This is such an important principle because the enemy knows if he can split up mom and dad, if he can split up a husband and a wife, that he can wreak havoc in that home. You've got to join forces. The Bible said our our battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We've got to do this and we've got to do this together. We've got to get together on this thing. So when you make decisions, make them together. Sir, you might be the head of your house, you might be the breadwinner in your house, but if you buy that truck without mama's agreement, guess what that truck's going to bring to your house? Every time that truck comes up the driveway, there's going to be a reminder, of disagreement, disunity. Maybe it's not a truck, maybe it's video games or something ridiculous that men should put away. So you've got to decide, we're going to walk in unity. We're going to make decisions together. We're going to we're going to uh, de- pray about things. If we're going to make a decision about how to spend money or how to raise the kids or how to buy a new house or what job to take, pray about it together. Get into agreement because when you are in agreement, you have power and you have the authority of God to stand behind you. When you're in division, the enemy can come in and lay waste to your house. And I just want to say this uh, briefly because I know a good number of you have a mixed or a blended family. And that's great. That's a blessing. But you have to make a special effort in a blended family to get into agreement. And it might mean that you lay down your rights And you lay down the things that you want in order to build unity in that home. Because until you humble yourself and do that, you're always going to have that strife, that fighting. Those kids are going to grow up and their whole life is going to be strife and fighting. And you can eliminate that when you get on your knees together before God and say, Lord, give us a strategy, give us a system, help us to understand how to walk in unity and to walk in harmony as a family Uh, Trust me, friend, when you do that, God will show up and God will show off in your life. So, guys, this week when you have a decision to make, you go home, you take your wife by the hand, say, honey, we're going to pray. And then after you got off the floor because she passed out, then uh, kind of give her a little time to recover. And she says, "Who are you? And what have you done with my husband?" He's, he said to her, "Honey, we're going to do things differently now. We're going to pray about things. We're going to get it. To, we're going to get into agreement, and we're going to walk together. Because if we're walking together, God is walking with us." Look at what Jesus said. He said, "If any two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for you by my Father who is in heaven." Where we're two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. God wants to be in the middle of your family. He wants to be in the middle of your, uh, of your situation. But we have to exercise that authority through unity. Number three, authority is exercised through the word of God. God's word is the single most powerful weapon in the spirit world. Next time you get in a fight with the devil, if you say this, Pastor Isaac said, he's not going to worry about that. But if you say, thus saith the Lord, it is written, as Jesus taught us to do, now you have reached the atomic power of the word of God, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against that word. So authority is exercised through the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Satan wants to take the sword out of your hand and he wants to take the word out of your mouth because if he can disarm you, he can defeat you. But if he can't get the word out of your mouth, he cannot defeat you. You need to get that in your spirit today. If I don't stop quoting the word, if I don't stop living the word, the enemy cannot defeat me. God's word is our authority. The name of Jesus is our authority. Now, from from time to time, if I want... Uh, we need some here at the church. I need something from Walmart, but I don't want to go to Walmart. I'll call the, the student minister. I'll say, hey, Jake, I need you to go to Walmart, and I'll give him my credit card. And Jake knows my PIN number, so if I ever get robbed, I know who to go to. <laughs> well, what does that mean? That means I trust that boy, right? And, and he can go in there, and he's, he's going to pay for whatever he's buying, but he's actually not paying for it. I'm paying for it. He's carrying out the instructions, but I'm the one who's footing the bill. When you and I take the word of God, we take the name of Jesus, God is literally saying, here's my bank card. Jesus is the pin number. Whatever you buy, I'm going to pay for. Whatever you ask, I'm going to grant. I'm going to give because you have my authority in the name of Jesus. God will back up his word. Say it with me. God will back up his word every single time. My, my brother Anthony, Pastor Anthony, told a story about a little boy in the grocery store. He was sitting in the cart with his mom and he wanted some cookies. He said, Mom, can we have some cookies? She said, No. He we went down the next aisle, can we have some cookies? She said, no. Down the next aisle, can we have some cookies? No. Every aisle, no, no, no. Finally, he got to the crash register. He said, mom, can we have some cookies? She said, I already told you no. And then the little boy went up to a higher authority. He said, in the name of Jesus, buy me some cookies. And apparently a whole lot of people heard him cuz he left with about 50 packages of cookies. God will back up his word. Come on somebody, take the name of Jesus and go to war. This message kind of makes you want to go out of here and find a spare demon and just beat him up just to show that this works, right? Number four, authority is exercised through the prayer of faith. Again, Jesus said, if two of you agree on earth about anything that you may ask, that's prayer, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. How do we exercise spiritual authority? We exercise spiritual authority through believing prayer. When you have a need in your life, whether it be daily bread or whether it be the evil one, you have the incredible power of the promises of God and you employ them in prayer. Get around some people that know how to pray. Get around some people that know the word of God and some people who have some faith. The mistake we make sometimes is that when we get into trouble, we get around the wrong people. No faith, no word, no prayer life, no authority, no help. You got to get around the right people. Find some people that say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some people that say, you will live and not die. Some people that know how to take the word of God for the word of God and employ it in believing prayer and when you and i exercise our faith in prayer god says i will not only answer but i will show up in your midst i will be present in your midst say that with me i have control i am not helpless i have the word of god i have the name of jesus i have divine authority in jesus name Amen. Would you stand at your feet? Now we're going to exercise that authority in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the elders of the church to come. I'm going to ask those people who usually help me with prayer, would you come? Pam, Bill, would you come as well? We're going to take... Sister Christina, would you come? Sister Stephanie? Brother JR, would you help us please? We're going to take authority today in believing prayer. And so if you have a need of any kind, today is the day for change. God is letting you know you have control. And so this morning, if you're not under authority, please hear my heart. If you're not under authority, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to come and speak to one of these people and tell them, I need to give my life to Christ. And they're going to lead you to Christ because that's the way that this begins to turn around for you in your life. If you want to agree with somebody in prayer about anything at all, I want you to come into this altar. Find one of these prayer warriors. and We're going to begin to pray the prayer of faith. Come on. Come on, if you need prayer. If they're they're busy with someone, just wait. Just be patient. We're going to pray for every need today that you have. Maybe you have a sickness in your family, maybe you have a financial need spiritual need doesn 't matter. God loves you, and He wants to show you his grace today. He wants to show you his un- undying and enduring compassion, and He wants to meet with us in this place of prayer all throughout the house of God. Would you just begin to pray if you're not, if you 're not going to come forward right where you are, just begin to take authority. Maybe the Spirit has been pointing out things in your life that you've been allowing, that you need to disallow. Things you've brought into your life, into your marriage, into your mind, into your thought life that God is saying, you need to throw this down today. And He wants to give you freedom from the evil one.